If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Take advantage of the flexibility. Make sure you're at work or a place where they believe in bring your best self to, to work. Like the culture that has been fostered where mm. I work encourages doing your best at home and on the mm. job. And I would say like, be very proud and confident of your transferable skills. There's a lot that you know that you may not even think that you know but when you start putting the work in, you may not see where you're going, but you're going to know how to get there. Pete Shalala, my guest today, juggles a full-time role at Paramount Global, a VP of sales in the streaming space. But as he shares with me in this episode, he's been able to craft other creative professional pursuits that have complemented his work at Paramount, all adding up to form his bucket list career. Welcome back to the podcast for episode 125. I'm Crystal Laurie. Before media sales, Pete worked in production on commercials, music videos, feature films out of L.A., but he was also in front of the camera during a 10-year run as host of a cooking show called The Gourmet Dude. And now he's really excited to be producing an original on Audible about the origins of hip-hop starring Chuck D. It's called Can You Dig It?, a series that's racking up awards as I speak. I have to say, Pete's professional evolution is not only unconventional, It's a testimony to creative authenticity, tapping into that. And somehow, he sneaks in actionable advice with every engaging story without you noticing it. That's a gifted storyteller. All right, let's listen. Pete Shalala, thank you so much for joining me here on Bucket List Careers. Great to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here, Krista. Thank you for having me. All right. And I'm going to thank Amelia Kivit, too, for putting us in touch. I was telling you, she's been a prolific source of guests for this show. And I've learned we're neighbors. I love that we got connected based on your career narrative being so perfect for bucket list careers. So let's talk about the fact that you're juggling a full-time career at Paramount Global. You're a VP in the streaming space. And you've told me you have the freedom to explore your passion. So we want to unpack your journey, your beginnings, and your evolution to where you are now. But just tell me right off the bat, what is it that you're doing now that you feel that truly fuels you? I mean, that's a huge question. What fuels you? Yes. And first of all, thank you to yeah. me also, because uh, she is the matchmaker. She's the matchmaker. Right on. I think what fuels <laughs> me is the freedom to be who I am. I mean, I don't, I, I'm not the best mathematician or scientist or you know, even the best reader, but the freedom I get to be who I am at my best, which is a communicator, a translator, an interpreter, a storyteller, like where I work and where I live, they, they allow me to focus on my superpowers and they also support me 
with the things that I'm really not that great at. I'm a C minus mm. student playing in an A world. And that's because I had the support. And, and again, I think the confidence to be who I am. I love that as a, a launching pad. So you've been in the entertainment industry since you say your role as class clown in the 80s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got into the sector after college. So why don't you start us there? Yeah. So again, like if you were in my class in the third grade, I probably distracted you a little bit. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I did want to have a good time. And I did enjoy making others have a good time. Fast forward to my trip to Lebanon in 1996. My father's an immigrant. He, we came over because of the Civil War broke out in 75. So he left everything he knew with his American bride, came back to Connecticut and began all over again. I didn't really return till the mid-90s. And he's one of eight, my dad. And I have a lot of cousins out there that I didn't really know. And when, when, when I went to visit in 96, two things were happening. One, I had just fallen in love with my bride-to-be. It took me 10 years to get her. It's another story. <laughs> and here I was leaving across the world you know, before email and phones, like I'm just disappearing to Lebanon for the summer. And two, I didn't know much about them, but they knew everything about me. So I was completely humbled by the love and affection of people that didn't know me most of my life. Hmm. And then I was blown away by what I came to see, which was this beautiful country on the Mediterranean. And that's when I started to kind of put together a class clown and purpose. How do I actually entertain people and create aha moments, not just like lectures and, hey, Lebanese are this. So I started using my superpower of, you know, distracting and making you laugh with inserting facts that would make you crack up or make you curious and then connect some dots. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that they're just like us or, whoa, they are different, but that's cool. Okay. That's how, it, that's kind of how it all began. And then after college, I started a company in 1998 called fromthere.com. So I figured if the Lebanese have a story that no one really knows, then everyone else does too, because we only focus on ourselves, our family, our only, we're all local at the beginning of it. So I started to expand this, kind of like a pre-Bourdain show <laughs> called The Food Train. The Food Train. So I did greeting cards, gift baskets, and then I started creating content that would take viewers through culinary travels that would talk about other countries, but how they affected the American tapestry. So you did have a focus on food. I, I was using food and laughter to connect all these dots. Okay, because I know you also did something called The Gourmet Dude, but that must have been later for about 10 years. So yeah, we'll get to that, right? Yeah, so I guess to your question, though, I started using entertainment to bring aha moments to life, mm -hmm. to foster empathy and curiosity and human connection. Really, that's what it's all about. And you were on both the business side and the show side of Hollywood. You were out in L.A. for a while. What did you find the most challenging out there? And when did you come back to New York? What brought you back? So Food Train, you know, that, that didn't get picked up. I would, I'd still be, that, that didn't work out. It taught me a lot, but it didn't take off. But it got me onto the sets. So I started getting into the commercial PA space. I started working 16 hours a day on the sets of like Budweiser, UPS, you know, Toyota, you name those commercials you're watching. I was in the set, you know, making that stuff work. What I learned was that, especially in Hollywood, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Getting yourself into a rhythm where, because it's all freelance work out there. Like you're only as good as your last job. So I just learned basically that you just got to keep hustling. And whenever you're on a set, you're interviewing for the next job. You know, there's lots of different jobs. There's casting, there's lighting, there's editing. There's all sorts of things you can do in the production of, of content. So the PA spot was my way in the door. The hustle got me into casting. I actually casted myself in three roles that got me the SAG card. Because to be SAG, you had to get three roles. So I wanted to be in acting. So I'm like, you know, I'll just cast myself. 
So I got a job as a casting director. <laughs> nice. So you just sort of, you figure out what the hustle is, what's the map, and then you start going down it. Oh, yeah. You have to be a survivor. So you had that, that part of your personality, you had that self-awareness early on. And then you transitioned to media sales, though. So I don't, I don't mean to jump around, but you've kind of been a, in various forms of this industry. What do you think you were best suited for? You know, I turned 49 last week. You look so young. For you, I was like mapping out my journey for this conversation. And I realized like, I love dancing. Like, yeah. If you put on a Madonna song, I'm going on. Oh, 80s, an 80s boy. I love it. If you tell me to do the waltz or if you tell me to do these certain steps, I can't do it. Like I'm a, freel- I'm a freelance guy. I'm a freestyle guy. I bet you could do the running man. But anyway, I digress. I can do the, but if it's like a, if it's a, if it's a certain dance that takes steps and it's a process, like I can't do it. I'm, I'm freestyle. So I think for work, it's the same way. I think what I found is that being my own guy, okay. navigating my space that I'm in, you know, proving my value allows me to create the next job that I get. So to take you back, I, I left LA in early 05, okay? Because I came home to get married. I got the ultimatum. It's like, come mm-hmm. back to New York or we got to figure this out. Figure this out. I love it. And she's your current wife? My, yes, my first wife. She's the one from the video from quarantine with the boys that I watched that I absolutely loved and I just liked it on YouTube. Okay, yes, go on. So we met in 94. We, we got married in 05. It was love at first sight for me. It took her years to figure this out. <laughs> but um, it's all worked out. I, I left Hollywood living in Santa Monica with my buddies, like living the dream, like working on sets, thinking about ideas, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I moved back to Connecticut in March of 05. It's freezing. It's dark. I'm living at my grandma's house in the suburbs. Like she's my roommate. It's a transition. And I just, I just got into sales because I had, I had to figure something out. Okay. The first sales job I got was at Yahoo in 05, which is obviously the, the big portal back then. That taught me the internet, the traditional web, right? Information, some entertainment. And I started from there pitching, you know, food and like culinary cookbooks, like virtual cookbooks and I was like interofficing the, the CEO, like I've got ideas and no one wrote me back. But again, still okay. seeding in content and ideas for myself. I got into media at 33 at the Weather Channel. And that's when I started to bring mobile into, into the advertising world. Got it. Okay. So mobile was con- mobile media. I took a bet. Okay. If I'm going to go anywhere, I'm going to go to the Weather Channel because everyone loves the Weather Channel. And if you have a mobile phone, sports, news, and weather, you're going to access that on there. And then eventually something big will happen. Yeah. This is before the iPhone came out. Yeah, you saw that and early. Then I was there for the launch of the iPhone, the iPad, all the different apps. And we just took off. So it was like early web with Yahoo, early cross-platform information with Weather Channel. Yeah. And then I went to Viacom, now Paramount, because television started to transition to mobile and desktop. Video started to be watched beyond linear television, which is that was the dawn of what we're seeing now, right? The dawn of the shift of attention so true. was then. And I've been a part of the whole ride and I've been loving it. So to go back to your earlier point, I get to use my right side of the brain for the creative piece and the left side hmm. for the business piece. Yeah, simultaneously. You know, 12 years into Paramount, I feel really good about doing business and also creating content. Right. So I mentioned before the online virtual cookbook that you were doing for 10 years called The Gourmet Dude. You always had that kind of running side by side with your full-time work. And you also have another project now that's, I think it's recently been released. That's right. It's an Audible original called Can You Dig It? And they call it part history lesson, part movie for your ears. I like that. Can You Dig It? with Chuck D. Chuck I D. 
So let's hear all about that. Let's talk about it. I'm fascinated. I love Audible, by the way. I'm a huge fan. So do I. I use it all the time. too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they're a great partner. But I would say, going back to the discussion on you're being employed, you're getting direct deposit, you're getting health insurance, Mm -hmm. but you're also scratching your other itch, whatever that may be. It may be writing a book. For me, it was like creating content, making videos. In the internet days with Yahoo and Weather Channel, I was creating food blogs, basically. And then uh, that turned into Gourmet Dude. And then at, at Viacom, now Paramount, you know, you're around big time storytelling. You're sure. involved in immersive, compelling content. I sniffed out a story that was, I was passionate about, which was the prequel to hip hop, right? This is about the gangs of New York where, you know, outlaw street culture turned into hip hop culture. Lots of aha moments in there. Lots of empathy. We take it all the way back to Robert Moses's Cross Bronx and the paving through the borough with six lanes of concrete right? and what that created as an environment to live in for people, for humans. And then from that rubble and that struggle was born art. This is the story that led to the birth of the art because we are celebrating Hip Hop 50 this year. Okay, We're the only story out there this year that goes back to the gangs in 1971. Everybody else starts in 1973 at DJ Cool Herc's party who just got inducted into the Hall of Fame, but no one's going back to this this you know, historic peace treaty that happened after a murder of a gang member in 1971. So we take it back to that moment. Nice. So you're writing it. Are you, is your voice in there? I, I'm only, I make a cameo. I, I do like a Scorsese cameo where I show up, you know, <laughs> nice. as a character. I have two co-creators. We have 18 actors. There's 11 luminaries who are given their either expert or personal opinions on it from family members to documentarians. So it's like informative as well as entertaining, which I think is the perfect hybrid. Do you think this is the future too of what Audible will be doing and, you know, more platforms like it where it's not just a novel that's narrated? Yeah, listen, we pitched this as an untraditional structure. Right. It, it was a fun pitch. I, lo- I love podcasts. I'm like, we don't, want to just, we don't want to just be an interview. We don't want to just be a book. We've got this idea where it's kind of a hybrid of both cinematic and observational. Yeah. You know, fully scored you know, theme title, score, music. And when they said yes, we're like, oh, shoot. Now we actually got to go do this. (laughs) And we did it. Was it hard to find collaborators? Are there people from Paramount or other parts of your life that you said, oh, you know, you and I have got to work on this together? It's it's been a building. I mean, I I tried to go at it alone with this idea, right? And this goes back to being in the environment. If I was by myself in grandma's basement, I wouldn't have met these people. And we met during the pandemic as a group. And this story was kind of born the early days of uh, shelter in place where there was a lot of hope missing in the conversation. There was this deficit of hope and belief, right? Everyone's like, everyone's betting against Manhattan. There's all this scariness happening and everyone felt helpless. But if you just look back to the past, there's a number of moments in time where people have gone through a lot worse than this. Yeah, it's cyclical, right? That's right. So we just tried, we weren't saying this is not, this is easy, but we were saying, People can get through this. And we started to kind of think about ideas that would bring hope uh, and counter despair. And because it was the pandemic, we thought that audio would be a great vehicle for that. So we pitched Audible, the story. It was before even Hip Hop 50. We pitched a lot of people. The story of this underdog movement in the Bronx where these people were living, you know, with political conditions against them. Mm. They were all young teenagers and younger. And from them making changes, they not only made their lives better, they changed the entire planet. From fashion style to language to music. I mean, think about the impact that came out of the Bronx over 50 years ago. It's, it's remarkable. 
And they had, they were worse off than we were when the pandemic hit. You know what? I'm a lifetime New Yorker. And I mean, I, I moved to Connecticut for a bit to work in news for uh, NBC 30 there. But I'm always fascinated in the origins of New York City. I worked in the Bronx. Favorite place to be a reporter because mm-hmm. there were some tough areas. But those people loved us because we were News 12. We, we were reporting their news, not just the bad news, the good news of the Bronx. So I feel like – and what you're also talking about has so many other broader areas of interest too. I mean, the origins of hip-hop. I think it has a lot of potential. Where do you see yourself in five years with something like this? So News 12 helped us launch oh. this when it went up. So News 12 Bronx, we Love went it. to the so scene of the murder. Truly hyper-local news. Yeah. yeah, great concept. We went Bronx local news. We did WFUV, Fordham Radio in the Bronx. Cool. We also did, you know, CNN. And and you were on Morning Joe, I heard, which I love. We did Morning Joe. So, you know, going back to being a marketer, myself and my partners, we know how to create the content. But we also know how to get ears on it, or at least attention yes, to yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. Five years from now, i got to tell you, we, you know this too. Like We are living in a world that is really tough. I don't take lightly how hard it is to get up in the morning. I think we're in the middle of our careers where we have kids that are growing up in a tough world. We have parents who are leaving this tough world and nervous about what we're going to do when they're gone. So I think this thing on a human level, it's really hard to stay optimistic. So hopefully in five years, I'm still glass half full. I know what I'll be doing. I'll I'll be doing the things that make me happy, that could change lives, and that could hopefully put food in the table. I can guarantee you that. I hope it has more to do with with this IP that I'm creating with my partners. Whatever it is, I've always had something going on to, you know, entertain my mind and my soul. I love that. Well, let's let's talk about professional purpose because you know that's a component of this podcast and what we try to dig out of people. If you believe in a professional purpose, do you think it's multi-layered? I mean, you have one of those careers where you've done so much, right? It can't be just looked at from from a single lens. What key advice, takeaways do you have for my listeners on getting there to that place career-wise where you really found your meaning? And of course, you want to be monetizing as well, but where it's all come together into that perfect place. Well, you, you can't start with monetization. You can't start You have with to it. start with, because otherwise it's really hard work. I mean, once we got the yes, it was exciting, but it was a massive labor. And if you didn't love it, you were in trouble. It's a lot. It's a fire hose of work. With a full-time job and a family, it's Again, you have to want to be there and you have to have stamina and you have to have endurance. For right. This. Especially for this phase in your career. This is, it's not a second act, but you know, you're not, you're not that kid anymore on the movie set who can do 16 hour days. So yeah, so you have to love it. Well, I, I think take advantage of the flexibility in the workforce right now. You've got this hybrid life. I'm not saying everyone does. I'm speaking from my point of view. Many of us. America sure. Is hybrid right Embracing now, it. Okay? Yeah. So I think what I would do is I took advantage of the commute time that I wasn't on. Get up a little early, put the work in. Stop at a regular decent hour, put the work in. You can never let go of your real job. You have people to support. You've got a job to do. You are, you know, for me at Paramount, I feel privileged. I used to pick up cigarette butts at the Paramount lot, you know, at two in the morning. And now I get to walk on with my ID. It's a pretty dream gig. Yeah. So take advantage of the flexibility. Make sure you're at work where a place where they believe in bring your best self to to work. Like the culture that has been fostered where Mm. I work encourages doing your best at home and on the Mm. job. And I would say, like, be very proud and confident of your transferable skills. There's a lot that you know that you may not even think that you know. But when you start putting the work in, you may not see where you're going, but you're going to know how to get there. Trust me. Yeah. What do you think you transferred from the different phases of your career successfully and what has served you the most? One, stamina. I can work 16 hours. I know what it takes 
to sit down and edit until the sun comes up. Like, it's just like you just pick your head up and then next thing you know, like the birds are chirping. <laughs> yeah. But also negotiation skills. Everything's a negotiation, whether you're signing up Chuck D to be a, a part of the project or you're trying to get actors or trying to get space in a studio. We were trying to get archival footage from some of the old networks like mm-hmm. PBS and WNT. Oh, that's so cool. It took a long time to get that stuff brought to us and even getting imagined from John Lennon, the rights to that. How do you incorporate the visual into that Audible project, into Can You Dig It? How do you have the visual there? Not to get way ahead, but we are pitching, if you will, kind of an omni-channel okay. approach where we have the rest of this audio tale being told. This is, a, this is the prequel. There's more to do audio-wise, but there's also theatrical. There's Broadway. There's animated series kind of in mind, of like the full universe of this experience. I'm pretty fascinated by this. Yeah, it's super cool. It's again, it's an aha moment for a lot of people, but it's also badass content. Like it's also good. We pitched it as Sons of Anarchy meets Welcome Back, Cotter in the beginning uh, of this journey. <laughs> That's great. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah. So I, I would say, like, again, flexibility, but also it also helps to have partners at home. Like my wife gave me the support, but she also sacrificed our time together. Yeah. Sure. And she also was a great kind of benchmark on, is this actually good? Oh, I love it. You have like a real partnership. That's cool. Use your she resources. Seems, she seemed great in the video. She, She's the best. She, seems like, she has a lot of personality too. All right. So yeah. where should we send people to check things out? Obviously on Audible, Can You Dig It? with Chuck D. You call it the greatest underdog story of our time, highlighting the power of peace over violence that led to the birth of hip hop. That's, that's really incredible stuff. And where else? Where else should we follow you? Check out Can You Dig It? official on Instagram. Okay. We're up for nomination for a Grammy, so we'll find out on the tenth if we get if we get a nomination. Nice. No, I saw you already picked up some awards. Yeah, we got some. We got some signal awards. Mm-hmm. We, I want a Peabody. I want a Peabody. I don't, we'll see if we get that. I have All no right. idea. All right. but, um, Fingers crossed. But the, we, we, I want the nomination for a Grammy again, not just because I want a Grammy, but it's just going to keep the machine moving. Of course, right. Check out that. And then I think just root for me. That's all I want. Aww. Just if you see me, <laughs> wish me luck, and you know that's it. Oh, I love that we did this. You're adorable. Peach Alayla, thank you so much for taking the time. Really enjoyed meeting you. I'm going to hopefully see you around town. And I will definitely be uh, checking everything out that has to do with what you're putting into the world. It's good stuff. I appreciate that. I really do. Thanks so much again. Thank you, Krista. Awesome. This is Bucket List Careers. I'm Krista Laurie. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.